Mackerel Podcast number 388, recorded December 23rd, 2013. Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. Uh, sitting in for Chris Breen and Philip Michaels. Uh, it's a large chair. It fits both of them. I am Jason Snell, and we're here to talk about the new Mac Pro. Last week, uh, Jim Galbraith, our lab director, and senior editor Dan Frakes and I appeared, were summoned to Cupertino to get a briefing about the new Mac Pro and uh, walk away with one of the new Mac Pro models, which is exciting because they're just trickling out now at the end of the year. And if you ordered one today, I think you wouldn't get it until February. Anyway, so they're they're here with me now to talk about the Mac Pro, the people who were there. And Jim did all of our lab testing, and Dan is in the midst of writing our review. So Jim Galbraith, thanks for being here. Oh, happy to be here. And Dan Frakes, thank you. Thanks for having us. You just finished writing your review, didn't you? Almost. Almost. We're, we're, we actually, it's been almost done for for a few hours. Ah. We're still kind of working through the the conclusion part. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So we should we should start with um, with the uh, the lab test. I think Jim, you you uh, brought it back to the office on on Thursday and immediately jumped into uh, testing it. So so what? You know, what did you learn by running the test? Why don't you walk us through a little bit about sort of what what you discovered? Well, sure. The first thing we did uh, was run our speed mark tests on it, which we run on every system from a Mac Mini, MacBook Air, Mac Pro, iMac, and just to see how it sits among those as far as performance goes. And certain tests it did great in. If it could take advantage of all those cores, it was great. If it was more of a consumer application, results weren't quite so stellar, um, as you'd expect. But you know, it was uh, one of the ways. Ahead. One of the ways it gets to be so powerful is it's got lots and lots of fast processor cores, and if you're only using a core or two, it's not going to be that much faster than other Macs out there, right? Because it, it doesn't have you know, they don't have eight cores to stack like the Mac Pro does. Right. And in a lot of tests, uh, a lot of applications, having fewer but faster cores trumps having 12 cores or, or whatever it is running slower. Right. So, you know, when we saw, you know, Mathematica, you know, it was, it got a, you know, crazy score, you know, twice as fast as, uh, you know, an iMac, but, uh, overall, in Speedmark, that uh, the new Mac Pro was only you know eight percent faster than uh, built-to-order iMac. Right, and in Speedmark, we are measuring all sorts of different use cases and kind of averaging it out, and and so it ends up being faster. But in a lot of those tests, it ends up not being much faster because of all the reasons you said. Then, so then, did you do some specific tests to try and get a sense of what the uh, what the speed was going to be in in specific cases where where it really was noticeably faster? Well, yeah, uh, tests like Mathematica and even Handbrake, you know, showed the you know the power of having that many cores all working together at one time and uh, crunching on a project. And uh, Final Cut Pro, which uh, Final Cut Pro X, which was updated the same day that uh, the Mac Pros came out and is uh, built. 
for you know the Mac Pro is kind of built for this application, and it really uh, it did very well. And that uh, the older Mac Pros could didn't stand a chance, and it whipped the pants off the iMac and uh, a MacBook Pro that we tested against. So where is the speed coming from? Is it is it coming from the processor? Because we normally think speed comes with the processor, but with this thing, we've got the processor, we've got the two video cards, and we've also got the RAM and the SSD. So is it, were you able to look at the test results and, and, and sort of see where the speed is coming from? Well, the Mac Pro, especially the one that we got, we got a configured to order system that had 32 gigs of RAM, the the fastest, highest performing graphics, the D700 dual graphics, um, and it had 512 of the uh, PCI connected uh, flash storage. So it's sometimes it's hard to separate those things out, especially in an application. You can run some uh, you can run some tests that really kind of isolate it, but uh, it was hard to tell exactly what was happening in Final Cut Pro. But I think all those things working together did, uh, you know, speed things up considerably. I mean, really super fast. And uh, we do have a couple of tools, some developer tools, where you can see that the uh, that second workstation class graphics card really is being used uh, in Final Cut and in Photoshop and system, uh, applications that can take uh, advantage of OpenCL um, really like having this graphic, the second graphics card there at its disposal to to throw stuff at. Right. So OpenCL is this uh, is this framework, I guess, or, or, or method of throwing processor uh, tasks at the graphics processor in, in, instead of uh, just the that what we think of as the brains of the operation, the CPU, and in the and since there are two graphics processors on this thing, and I believe only one is directly wired to the actual video output, so uh, the other one is just there to crank away at more tasks. If you if your apps support OpenCL, correct. All right. So Dan, we we uh, got this Mac Pro and uh, we took it to your house. <laughs> And uh, we opened it up there, and that was interesting. And you took a picture that that made the rounds and actually inspired a slideshow on Macworld.com that was wildly successful, which was, um, well, we took a picture back at the office of it next to the the Power Mac, or, uh, well, the Mac Pro, the cheese grater enclosure. There was the Power Mac G5 and the Mac Pro enclosure. And um, that really puts in stark contrast. This is not like a giant pod the size of a small child. This is a this is like the size of a basketball, um, this, this thing. Um, and then uh, you took some more pictures with it, it with with some other everyday objects. It really is um, remarkably tiny, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's pretty incredible, actually. When we first took it out of the box, I mean, we saw it last uh, briefly last June, uh, 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 right. a shell. But uh, when you take it out of the box and actually pick it up, it's it's tiny. I mean, it's it's just under ten inches tall, and what it's six point six inches across. I think it's a cylinder. And you take it out and it's like, it's dense, it's heavy, it weighs about 11 pounds, but it's really tiny. So yeah, I mean, for scale, we took a few pictures of other things around the house that are bigger than it or that show how small it is. And uh, people seem to like that. Uh, but it, it's it actually, it's, it's shockingly small for the performance it gives, I think. It's definitely dense. You know, it is heavy. It's tiny, but there's a whole lot in there. And it's easy to get into with something else that I think we'll talk about later uh, when we when we talk about um, upgrades and accessories, it is easy to get into. You just slide the little uh, the little latch and and kind of pull up on the little metal housing, and it 
and it uh and it opens right up and and when it's locked and in place you can hold on to the the rim of a little metal housing and pick it up and it's not you know it's not super light it's what 11 pounds but it's uh it's uh it's it's compact and and uh and Apple's told us, right? They told us it's meant to sit on a desk. It's not meant to hide. Uh, and that way you don't confuse it with a trash can too, which is nice. <laughs> right. And it's, and as we found out, it's surprisingly quiet too, given how much horsepower is inside. Uh, because of the design, we were all surprised that uh, in a normal room, you really can't even hear it, even when it's actually doing a lot of work. That's good. Now, you've been working with it uh, over the weekend, I know. And, uh, and in your regular office environment uh tell us a little bit about about that what kind of stuff have you been doing while you were uh, while you were working on your review well i've of course just been doing normal everyday tasks because i've been working on the review at the same time but i i've been playing with it in terms of final cut pro some effects in that um, just transcoding video which is another one of the things that it's really optimized for um, playing a few games just just trying to put it through its paces taking advantage of the processors and um I mean, it's of course fast. You, as long as you're doing things that really take advantage of the multi-core processors, and especially if it uses a GPU, GPU compute, which is what you mentioned earlier, where apps can take advantage of the GPU to unload some tasks, especially when you're using those things, it, it, it flies, it's fast. Um, for other things, like Jimmy said, you know, your everyday tasks, it feels a lot faster than the souped-up iMac I have here, but it doesn't feel, you know four grand and three years faster. Uh, so, so it's really, it's a pro machine and it's made for those pro tasks. But uh, beyond that, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed really is what we were talking about. It's really quiet. It's really small and it's really cool. Like it doesn't run hot even when it's under load. Uh, and it's kind of shocking for those of us like myself who used to have a huge hunk in Mac pro tower in their office, which was loud. It sounded like a wind tunnel at times. Mm-hmm. It it was hot. You know, it raised the temperature of my office like a good ten degrees over the course of a day. I mean, uh, those things were they felt like these big machines that were just you know working hard in your office. And this, you know, it's like a shiny little aluminum thing sitting on your desk that just so happens to be doing all that stuff too. Yeah, it's it's like a subwoofer or something. I mean, it's yeah. got it's not as if it's not plugged in and it isn't doing things, but it, it's not, it's not. I mean, when when Apple was demoing it for us and they had all that like eight streams of four K video uh, running through it at once, I held my hand over the over the vent on the top, and you know, warm air was escaping. There was no doubt about it. It was pushing very warm air out of it, but the case didn't feel particularly hot. It was warm but not hot. And I, I was trying to listen for the fan, and th- there's a fan there, and there's some fan noise accompanying it. But you know, they've they've made lots of efforts for it to be as quiet as possible. And you know, everybody's going to hear everybody hears sounds differently, and everybody's going to be more or or less sound sensitive. But I, I certainly didn't notice anything. Uh, you know, the, the sound seemed pretty pretty muted to me. Did you you know get anything out of that? I mean, it seems like it was very quiet. Uh, you know, my office has. It's got an, an iMac here, and it's got a couple external hard drives connected to it. Uh, and honestly, if I'm sitting in the middle of the room, the even when the Mac Pro is doing a bunch of heavy stuff, I can't hear it over the iMac over, and an external hard drive. Right, right. I was going to say, if you, if you attach an external... Uh, spinning disk hard drive to this thing, you will hear that way more than right. you'll, you'll hear the uh, the actual interior yes. of the of the machine. Yep. 
so did you was there anything interesting in 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 playing around with it or did it pretty much just take everything you threw at it and you know yeah it really did i i even just did some these aren't pro level tasks but i was just playing around with converting you know transcoding dvds to to uh to formats for like an iphone just to see how fast that would do compared to what i'm doing and it took like a two-hour movie like 10 minutes to 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 transcode to an Apple TV format, which is pretty crazy. I mean, on my, I've got an iMac here that's almost three gigahertz Core i7 with a Fusion drive. I mean, it's a pretty fast machine and it took like 40 minutes. So, I mean, that's just to give people who aren't doing pro tasks sort of a a more common example of frame of reference. That's about, you know, what the kind of stuff I'm seeing on, on CPU intensive stuff. So we'll, let's let's ask that question then uh, for both of you, which is who is this for? Who 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 should get a Mac Pro? I, I uh, we're talking about it. it'll take it, you know anything you throw at it, but it really is best when exploiting you know incredibly taxing apps, you know Final Cut Pro or even like ripping and converting video. So you know it's not a cheap system by any means. So who who's it for? Who's the ideal user? Who's gonna actually want to choose this over an iMac or a or a MacBook Pro or even a Mac Mini? Well, well, you know if you're talking about design, I think a lot of people. But if you're talking about practical right. reasons, I, I think that this. In some ways, this Mac Pro kind of changes what the Mac Pro line, who it's for, because, I, and I've talked about this in my review, that a few years ago, as recently as a few years ago, there was such a big difference in performance between the Mac Pro line and the, you know, the iMac and the MacBook Pro that people who weren't necessarily Pro users that didn't need you know 3D rendering and all that kind of stuff, but they wanted performance, a lot of them opted for the Mac Pro just because that's what you got if you really wanted a fast Mac and if you wanted expandability and if you wanted lots of storage. And so there were a lot of people who bought the Mac Pro who really weren't pros in you know the Apple sense of the word. They were just power users or people who were a little more demanding, home users. That's not the case anymore, I don't think. I think that, for one, the iMac and the MacBook Pro, those other lines, the performance of those chips has gotten so much better that for those people, most of what they wanted to do or they used to do on a Mac Pro were actually as fast or faster on an iMac. Um, and two, what Jimmy talked about, where the, the 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 strengths of this system are so much rooted in multi-core and GPU computing and stuff like that, that the people who are really going to benefit are really the pros, the real pros. They're not the home user who just wants a really fast, big machine. Yeah, I mean, I think it's what you were saying that, you know, uh, on some of the more consumer, you know, uh, applications, you may not get as good a performance out of a Mac Pro as you would on the MacBook Pro that's uh, sitting in front of you. So uh, it really, I think it's for people who are earning their, you know, earning their money by having this thing working on, you know, professional level applications day in, day out. Dan, you you know you remember all of the, uh, and I think you might have been involved in this too. But Rob Griffiths, who used to work for us, was always talking about the um, the mythical mid range Mac ta- mini tower. Hey, that was me. Oh, that was, was that you article. too? Well, that was well. No, you and Rob were both into <laughs> yeah, it. And right, I know, and Jim right. has has worked on building. You know, you've yeah, worked yeah. on building some Franken Macs too, which are you know PCs build that you build yourself and install OS ten on. Um, 
and I'm just, I, I, do you think there's a case here? I, at this point, it's expensive enough that it would be somebody who really wants to pay a premium to do this. But in some ways, I mean, this is a much more powerful system than a Mac Mini, but it is the other Mac desktop you can buy that doesn't require, you know, an integrated monitor. It's And it's got a, a lot of uh, a video power or drive multiple giant external monitors too. So is there a market there or could there be down the road for, uh, you know, the lightest of the Mac Pros because that does still seem to unless unless you want to make the case that the Mac Mini is powerful enough now and I'm not sure whether I would make that case this is your other option if you want something that's not a laptop and isn't an iMac you know you got Mac Pro and Mac Mini and those are your choices so is there is there a scenario here for somebody who just it's very pretty on the desktop and I can use my own external monitor you know or is it just too pricey for that I think price is one thing I think that it's because of what it's optimized for and what it, the market is going for, it's using components that are really expensive that aren't going to benefit the person who, like Rob or I, who wanted that mid-range mini tower. In fact, this is sort of the opposite of what we were looking for. Yeah, and that, it's not expandable. Right. It's not, <laughs> uh, well, it's not expandable, but it's also, um, you know, we weren't focusing on pro apps. We were focusing on consumer right. and power user type apps. We wanted something that was just really fast, reasonably priced, um, not as big as a Mac Pro tower, and you know maybe it had an extra space for an extra hard drive or something like that. So in a lot of ways, this is exactly where we didn't want. But I mean, for pros, there's a lot to like here. But it's it's not really the mid-range Mac Mini tower that some of us <laughs> wanted. It's too a little too pricey for that. Anyway, I don't know. I I almost would say that if you're somebody who just likes. Um, you know, consumer apps and want some power, but it doesn't want the other than the expandability issue, which is now an issue on every Apple product. Um, because unlike the old Mac Pro, which had huge amounts of space, and we'll talk about this later, um, it, this this doesn't. Just bottom line, it doesn't. It's it's meant it's all outboard uh, Thunderbolt and USB. Um, I don't know. I'd almost recommend most people who wanted. Uh, uh, a device like that look at still look at the laptops because the laptops are fast and and uh you can hook them up and run them with their lid closed driving a display and then you can unplug them and take them away and for a lot of people i mean i know a lot of people who used to be power mac people and mac pro people who are now just docking their laptops because the the macbook pro and even the macbook air are so powerful that for consumer applications and even some lightweight pro applications it's enough. Right. And the iMac as well, which is sure. the iMac gives you more performance than the Macro Pro at, at, a, at a lower price. So in a lot of ways, I think the iMac is sort of the power user desktop nowadays. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, you were talking about the displays, uh, the MacBook Pro, the new Retina MacBook Pros are the only other Mac besides the Mac Pro that will support 4K displays. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know we have one in the lab. So, so, uh, we're all kind of hoping that we'll see more big resolution displays this, you know, in 2014, almost at this year. Wow. I've turned the page. I've turned the calendar already. Uh, but that's true though. So, so you, any differences there, Jim, because I know you, you used one of the, the sharp displays that, that, uh, that we've got in the lab. That's the same one that, that Apple is using to demo this and you've run it with the retina MacBook pro and with the Mac pro any differences or do they both just handle it? They both just seem to handle it uh, as far as that goes, as far as the playback um, and connected over HDMI. It seems to be, you know, it, they both they both work well. Plugging anything else, you would get kind of half a screen or, uh, 
which was kind of odd. But um, but yeah, those two. I would. I kind of. Well, we actually did get one other system to work. We had a, a Sapphire card inside one of the two. 2012 Mac Pros, and that would also support it. Expandability? That's been the biggest complaint about the Mac Pro since it was first announced back in June, is people complaining that, you know, oh, I can't, I've got all these internal hard drives, I've got all this expansion expansion cards and stuff. Uh, I think that a lot of people, once they actually just make the transition, are going to end up being okay, but I think it's it's a it's a shock more than than an actual logistical hurdle for most people. It's not the true with upgrades in general. I mean, we always yeah. hear people, there's a class of people, and I don't want to say it's everybody because there's some people who never think about upgrading, but there's also a group of people who want the option of upgrading, but don't always, you know, or don't take advantage of it and and they just let it sit there. And it sounds like with the new Mac Pro, Apple's really saying, well, forget it. <laughs> it just, we're not going to even, it's just not going to happen anymore. Just like every other, every other Mac that they that they make now. Yeah, and they're 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 encouraging people to say, look, if you've got all these hard drives, you've got storage, you've got these kind of needs, Thunderbolt two is really fast, and you know that's what you got to do. And and I think a lot of people, the people who are in the market for this computer, they may not like it, but the truth is, is if they're they're in the market for this computer, they need the power and they're willing to pay for it. They're eventually going to pay for the you know the other stuff they need to make it work too. And I think probably at Apple, there's there's people who wouldn't say it publicly, but are saying. Look, if you're going to buy this, you're going to buy what you need. <laughs> right, right. Well, this is great. So we can look forward to the new Macworld review, which may be up by the time you listen to this. Check Macworld.com for more. Uh, and I want to thank my guest, Dan Frakes. Thanks for writing the review and letting us use your house to take pictures of the Mac Pro when, when we got it. Anytime. Thank you. And Jim Galbraith, thanks for all your work uh, getting those lab results turned around and breaking new records for, for speed mark scores, even if it was just by a little bit. Even by a little bit. Yep, it was great. All right. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about upgrades and how they relate to the Mac Pro. And to do that, I gave a call to Larry O'Connor, who is the founder of Otherworld Computing, which is a leading provider of upgrades and other great Mac stuff. And I bought a bunch of stuff from them over the years. So let's bring in OWC's Larry O'Connor. So, Larry, thanks for coming on the Macworld podcast. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Jason. So, new Mac Pros. Came out, and I know I was in Austin visiting you um, a few months ago, and we were talking about the new Mac Pro coming out, and how there were going to be lots of interesting upgrade stories. Obviously, at Otherworld Computing, uh, you know that's that's one of the big things you guys do is you're helping uh, Mac users with find find answers to upgrades on the inside of systems, upgrades and and external you know devices that they can add to to keep their uh, keep their Macs running smoothly or run faster or have more storage space, all of that sort of thing. Um, and I think there's, I think there are a lot of interesting stories about the the new Mac Pro uh, regarding upgrades. But I thought we would start by talking about the the actual new Mac Pro. So uh, you know, when we were down at Apple, we were talking about upgradability, and it sounds like the RAM and the and and maybe the processor and maybe the GPUs are all theoretically upgradable, except we're in that state where only Apple makes them and only Apple knows for sure. Do you have any perspective on what's going to be upgradable in the new Mac Pro? Well, the memory we've already got taken care of, so that's a uh, that's a relative no-brainer. Now, currently, uh, that's up to 64 gig, just like the factory. We are working on a 128 gigabyte solution for that system, and it's a matter of uh, you know, not if, but when. But nonetheless, uh, 64 gig is shipping for it right now. 
The PCI SSD is another strong possibility, and we're looking at some things that we may be shown by CES uh, just a couple weeks from now. And then the video cards, you know, that's that's going to be a uh, that's a little more interesting and uh, and certainly questionable. Historically, it's been very difficult in general to produce video cards for Apple, not because you, know, you can't pull, well, even looking at the PCIe machines, not because you need a PCIe slot, but because of the uh, I guess you could say the keys to the kingdom that Apple holds on to when it comes to their EFI uh, supporting and talking to uh, you know what you plug into those slots. All right, so I guess there's going to be more that we'll learn as we go. Um, you know, I, I was I was I was interested by the fact that Apple didn't seem to wave us off when we said are the insides um, upgradable. That they were like, you know, theoretically, which was interesting because in the past they've been like, no, uh, no, forget it, and that hasn't been true. But they're like, whatever. They were kind of open to it. Now, obviously, on their talking points about. Uh, what's upgradable in the Mac Pro? The, the big thing that they point to is all of the Thunderbolt and USB ports on the back. And in reality, you know, there's no room in there for a spinning disk. So if uh, if you want lots and lots of storage, and I've heard this from a lot of Mac Pro users who currently have their Mac Pros loaded up with internal storage, on um, on the Mac Pro, you're looking. You got to look at the ports really, and say outside of the the SSDs, you're talking about off offloading storage to some other. Uh, third-party device via Thunderbolt or USB, right? I mean, that's pretty much where we are. Yeah, that is correct. I mean, you got six Thunderbolt 2 ports. And we have uh, our first Thunderbolt 2 products coming out you know, late in uh, in January, but that's mainly going to be for uh, adding existing PCI insets for storage. It's going to be Thunderbolt for a while, and then there's no real reason, at least initially, to go to Thunderbolt 2. But you know, as I bounce around on this, you know, we have a couple. We have a, a dual-bay enclosure and also a quad-bay enclosure that should make it a little easier to move from an existing system onto the new or, and that's with Thunderbolt or quite frankly, you know, whether it's USB three enclosures and we offer the QX two that supports up to three drives. You know, if it's just getting data from your existing system into the new, there's you know, a wide variety of, of options, you know, multi-bay and even you know, single, single drive dock that'll make that possible. It's going to be interesting not having all that data, all that storage right inside the machine though. And that's certainly an adjustment. You think, um, Given, given, I mean, obviously, Mac Pro users are are about as serious as a as a computer user can be because they want that Mac Pro. They they want that power. Is this an opportunity for um, for those users to start thinking about storage differently? You know, go go beyond just I've got some drives in my computer and start thinking about things that are a little more like uh, like NAS NAS devices and things beyond just uh, hanging a couple of hard drives off the back. Perhaps, although the, uh, you know, for backup, but in terms of the kind of functions you're buying this machine for, you know, you, you, there's no reason to buy the machine if you're doing this uh, over the network for the most part. I mean, the network is, is going to be so much slower than, you know, what you're going to be waiting on your data versus waiting on the computer. And the capabilities of this new machine, especially for video editing, are, are just insane. And that's, that's not going to happen with uh, the stores. It's not, you know, how to say connected at a very high bandwidth yeah it's uh, for offloading i suppose but you're right this is a the, the fact is the iMacs and the and the macbook pros are are pretty darn fast too especially at, at things that are more um, focused on a single core so obviously this is the machine for people who either really just want to have that machine on their desk with an external display and they don't want an iMac or it, realistically for most people it's somebody who really needs that power and you know video editing is the best example the fact that it does that 4k multi-channel video editing demo that apple does it is truly impressive it's kind of hard to believe that much data is passing through that thing and you know beyond 
on site, you know, on device storage, you're talking about something like fiber channel, I guess, to get a truly fast, large scale off uh, off device storage. I'd actually push people towards uh, mini SAS. Uh, hmm. Quite frankly, you know, we offer uh, our Jupiter our Jupiter product is focused on SAS and actually uh, shared SAS. Uh, Purdue University developed the technology a few years ago, and we've been bringing it out commercially. But it allows work groups to share uh, mini SAS uh, storage, which is about twice as fast as uh, say as the uh, fiber channel, and at a cost that's roughly a quarter. And it's a great option. And going back to storage in general and uh, having the external stuff attached or not. Now, one nice thing about Thunderbolt, and we've got cables now up to 30 meters to do this, you, know, you can plug one of, you know, a Thunderbolt optical cable in, and you know, as long as you have a closet or maybe another room, or you know, maybe it's you know, air-conditioned, uh, I wouldn't put it in an, in an attic that doesn't have some sort of cooling, but if you have a space that's cooled away from where your work uh, station is, you can run a, a very long Thunderbolt cable and have all your devices, all your storage far away from you. You really don't you know, look very often. Well, and certainly when they're internal, you're not looking at that storage at all. So it's not like you have to look at a lot of the devices, but you can have the illusion of just that little tiny you know, box. It, I'm sorry, that little tiny cylinder yes. on your desk, and all uh, that massive storage someplace you know away from where the computer is, and also secure. And that's a nice thing too. If somebody right now comes in and you know, walks away with your Mac Pro, your data is inside of it typically, and hopefully have a, uh, a some sort of network backup recover off of it yeah you put your uh, if you put your data in a place to secure away from your machine you know, losing the machine is you know not a great thing but your data is what's priceless it's interesting and then and then if you're connected direct to thunderbolt then you know it's a direct connection to your computer you're not even having to deal with the network um so long cables that's that's really interesting Thir- did you say 30 meters yes sir wow that is that is a lot that is, a, you got to have a very large house and and to to have a problem getting uh, that. I would I would think that's cool. My house isn't quite that big, so that would be more than enough to get a direct connection to a Thunderbolt device somewhere. Uh, let, let's talk. Uh, the other thing we talked about uh, in Austin was uh, for the people who look at this and say, "Wow, I really need more storage than this thing can provide." And and you know, the people who've got a Mac Pro out there now. And they're looking at this and saying, this is tiny. I, it doesn't have that much in, internal storage. Uh, it's a first-generation system. And uh, who knows what kind of uh, weirdnesses there will be in a first-generation bit, bit of hardware. And maybe thinking, can I can I eke out more life with my current Mac Pro and let this all settle down before I before I make the switch? And, you know, I, I, I've bought... I know this is going to sound like an infomercial, and it's not. I, I can't tell you how many upgrades I bought from my devices from you guys, actually, and, and your competitors, too. But, you, you know, you guys have supplied me with a lot of upgrades over the years. And that... You know, we, we tend to think, Apple tends to make us all think about these devices as being, you know, more and more non-upgradable. But with something like the Mac Pro, you know, you can you can do some pretty dramatic things to continue to improve and expand a Mac Pro and keep it alive for a long time, right? Uh, absolutely. And you know, unless you're, you know, diving into the, uh, the video editing side, you know, there's, and even with video editing, the current Mac Pro is an amazing machine, and what's just absolutely shocking to me, and it shouldn't be. I mean, I saw this with the uh, the high-end G5s, you know, back when those were the uh, you know the top-of-the-line machine. So many of these systems get deployed as just stock. It's really the aftermarket where we see a lot of people, that, you know, the second-hand users, you know, or people who are put in the corner and you know, actually, you know, told them they can't get in the machine, and they start researching and looking, but most people have no idea what they can do with the machines, and so many systems that we see you know, coming off lease, coming out there in the use space, 
they still have the same hard drive and the same uh, base memory that they ship with. And you can drop, you know, for less than, well, I mean, actually, I mean, starting from a few hundred dollars and even if you want to go, you know, hog wild and spend, you know, closer to a thousand dollars, you know, even fifteen hundred dollars, you can transform a machine that's even from 2009, even before 2009, but I'll look at a 2009 and later Mac Pro is a system that's a hugely uh, entertaining candidate for upgrade. You can turn that into a machine that is more than anything you could possibly expect you know, for a, a fraction of buying the new systems with an Excelsior SSD, with a, uh, a bit more memory. I mean, you have all these cores and a lot of people are still running with just six gigs of memory in them. And even the GPUs you can buy today, there are you know several high-end video upgrade cars that just came out last summer that are in the $400 to $600 range that you know, give video a heck of a kick. So in terms of what you can do with the uh, the, the existing, well, the, the previous model Mac Pro, the 2009 to 2012s, for a small fraction, a relatively small fraction of what the total cost to move over to the the new Mac Pro when you consider software upgrades you may need, you know, your OS, uh, how to stay compatible with what you have, the external storage that's necessary, adding new memory, uh, if you haven't already added memory to the, uh, how to say, to a new, to your existing Mac Pro, all the things that are necessary to really bring a new system up to its full capability, a fraction of that will transform an existing Mac Pro into a, a machine you're going to think is yeah, and I honestly think, I mean, the experience is a, you know, it's better than new. Yeah, it's funny that the Mac Pro, I mean, the great thing about it is it is the last super expandable uh, Mac system. And yet you hear these stories, obviously, and I have seen them too, that uh, even even with all that, a lot of these systems go unupgraded or largely unupgraded, which is strange because I guess it's it serves both purposes, right? It's the high-end Mac and it's also the super expandable Mac. And it turns out a lot of people just don't even think about that expandability. And it's sitting right there, and it makes those systems way more... Um, there's more upside with an older system there than there... You know, a 2009 iMac doesn't have a, a lot of upside, but a 2009 uh, Mac Pro does. Well, I'd even argue a 2009 iMac, I mean, just drop <laughs> well, I'm just dropping an SSD into it. I which, mean, there's so many... Which I've done. <laughs> and it's quite a... It's, it's a lot it's, better, yeah. Yeah, it is, actually. It's just but, a, it's a lot harder to do that. than The Mac Pro is so expandable, and it's easily expandable. And the iMac is, you know, it's a little harrowing to get it in there. But it does make a difference abs- once you do it. Abs- absolutely. It's not a matter of, in the case of the iMac, not that there's not reward for doing so. But it's certainly a, a lot more of a challenge to... Uh, to do so, but yeah, the Mac. I guess looking at Apple, you know, my biggest complaint, and a lot of people's complaint, they're moving towards you know, it's these things are almost becoming appliances, whereas they're rather expensive appliances. To think about, you know, having to if something news come out, you got to replace it in a couple of years. And Thunderbolt is great, but you look at Thunderbolt two even, and that's you know, the equivalent of a uh, of a four X PCIe uh, 2.0 slot. I mean, it's up to about two gig, you know two thousand megabytes per second is its current threshold. Whereas a PCI 16x slot you know, on the uh, the current Mac Pros will do you know eight gigabytes a second, so it's there's a lot of ex- external capability with the new Mac Pro, and honestly, what is built inside that Mac Pro, you know, you can run through the SSD. I mean, you're, it does amazing things, but it's it's still kind of it's a little bit of a, an adjustment to realize that you know if there is some high bandwidth, you know, latest and greatest technology, you want to attain in the future is not going to be something you can connect into it at a PCIe card for you're going to have to buy a new machine but you know going back to these other Mac Pros you know Apple's today's Apple's products are more and more appliance like but Apple's promoted these as appliances I think for a very long time really since you know after the G5s came out and people 
perhaps forget that you know, these these systems have such great upgrade potential. Not until they look. And, and in fairness, you, if you spend that kind of money on a system, and this is probably why for the vast majority of people out there, these new machines are going to be great. They come with more memory, which is a big help, I think. But you know, people expect for the money they're spending on Apple, it should work right out of the box. And that's what Apple talks about. And you know, there really has not been, Apple has done little or, little or nothing to really educate people after they buy a system that, hey, you only bought this with six gigs of RAM. You know? Even they said, come back to the Apple store, you know, add another you know, 16 gigs, and it's going to do all these great things. It would have been really good, I think, for customers. But nonetheless, uh, you know, there's a lot of great machines sitting on people's desks out there, under people's desks, that a very small investment around. Even if even nothing else, there's adding some more memory to the machines. I mean, there are six core, I'm sorry, yeah, there are six core machines and 12 core machines out there with you know, effectively a, a half a gig or a gig per core. You're not even if you have an application that can run every cord to the fullest, which there aren't many of those out there, as is, you know, it never gets anywhere to break in breaking a sweat because it doesn't have enough memory to you know, you're waiting on memory, not on the processor. If you don't have an SSD, especially you know, even more so if you put a PCI SSD in there, you're not waiting on the processors or the memory, depending upon uh, you know what your configuration is. Now you're IO bound. You're waiting for you know your actual drive storage to keep up with what you're doing. The new Mac Pro addresses all those things you know, exceptionally well because it comes with an SSD, it comes with a powerful PCI video card, it comes with a decent amount of memory that you can certainly upgrade and expand. But there's lots of systems. I mean, even going back to 2006, you drop just an SSD into a machine, and if you blindfold it, if you hit the machine from the person and put a new skin on it, you can convince them very easily that they just got a brand new Mac because it's that different. It's that much faster. So... New Mac Pro is an awesome machine, but there's you know, Macs going back you know, many years are still very awesome in terms of the potential, the capabilities that you know, are just you know, waiting for a couple pieces to take some bottlenecks away from. Yeah, but to your point, um, it, this new Mac Pro does feel very appliance-like. It feels like Apple looked at the same thing that you mentioned earlier, which is that so many people had the Mac Pro but weren't actually upgrading it and they seem to have said all right <laughs> we're gonna make we're just gonna make this an appliance like thing too you know there weren't that many people doing upgrades we're gonna throw you know throw you some thunderbolt ports um and uh and so i guess the, the you know the upgrade story of this mac pro i mean never say it's never you guys have proven to be very resourceful in finding every possible way to upgrade uh systems but there's going to be less of a story than something like the older mac pros because you know it, it it's very i mean there's not any space inside the case anyway you've got the you've got the place where you've got the processor and the two graphics cards and you've got the the ram and you've got the ssd and that's that's it and i'm sure those will be upgradable to some extent or other but uh at, it is really Apple saying, you know, everything else is just take it outside, basically. Yeah, that's yeah. in effect the the case. Yeah, yeah, it's it's too bad. I I I get why Apple, I get why Apple does that from one reason because the the appliance experience can be very nice, but it also hampers the the future usability of it. Like you said, that the the old, the old Mac Pros you can do, you can, and I remember this from my Power Mac days, the G four days, the G five days is you know you can. That that system lasts a long time because not only is it fast, but it's it, it's so upgradable that you can. It's practically not the same computer at the end of its life than it was at the beginning of its life. And uh, these new Mac Pros are very much going to be more or less what they are now. I think uh, because they're they're you know it's like an iMac, super powerful. Don't get me wrong, but it's like an iMac in the sense that it is um, it sort of is what it is, and and that's just how it is. 
Well, at least the cover comes off. I mean, my it does. biggest, yeah, my biggest aggravation with the iMac, you know, in a couple of years, you know, time, and you know, whether it's a hard drive failure or some other issue inside the system, or you just want a bigger hard drive because what came stock wasn't enough. You know, I think people are, some people are going to be, well, people are already annoyed and disappointed to find yeah. out that it's got to go into Apple for a, even for a simple hard drive replacement. I mean, you should be able to, and you can't even buy a standard drive. You know, we make a kit to, to replace Apple's SMC. Uh, I'd say a feedback that they have built into Apple firmware on Drive, so you can use a third-party drive. But if you know somebody says, "Hey, my hard drive failed," no, not a big deal. I replaced drives before. You can't even buy a drive standard off the street, you know, without you know a kit like the one we provide and put it in your iMac. You know, to spend that kind of money—that's the only issue I really have. This for the investment you make in Apple hardware, there should be a little more accommodation towards uh, you know, user self-serviceability. In three years, if a drive dies in an iMac that you know, somebody spent $3,000 for top of the line today, they should need to go back to the Apple Store just to, to get a hard drive replacement and you know, pay a, well, a relative small fortune to have it done. Right, right. Well, I, I'll say, having handled the Mac Pro for a little while over the last few days, at least that still exists, although we don't have giant drive bays and things like that anymore, that you you know, you know slide the unlock button and uh, uh, or switch and lift the metal canister off the top of the trash can and you've got you know <laughs> complete access to that system and it's relatively easy to take you know any piece of it off um, and so that that's good it's all accessible in a way that something like the iMac isn't um, it's a beautiful machine inside and out and accessibility wise yeah it's unlike any computer I've ever seen before but uh, yeah it's very cool uh, with the, all the ramifications that we've been talking about but well, this is this has been a great conversation. I'm glad we were able to do it. We've been talking about it for months and waiting for the Mac Pro to ship, and it, it's here. And now uh, people who've got old Mac Pros have that decision to make, right? Do I do I jump now, or or can I uh, get some more life out of the system that I've got? And I think a lot of them, um, you know, I could should look at what they've got and see because they they may they may be able to get a lot more out of what they've got before taking the plunge and, and moving over to the new model. If the Mac Pro is going to be a great value, especially for high end video users. Or producers, I should rather say, editing and such. But you know, if you're doing Photoshop, if you're doing other, you know, well, more processor based work, that's not that doesn't involve you know that high level of video. You know, you can't get faster in the real time, and there's a very significant number of things you can still do with again, even the machine going before 2009 with a few simple upgrades that are real time on those machines. And if you're hitting real time again; it doesn't really get much faster than that. Well, and and RAM and and, and SSD especially, I'll, I'll say that it's my personal experience, and I would say that to anybody out there who is considering this, the new Mac Pros are going to be very impressive because they are all SSD uh, storage. But um, if you don't have SSD in your in your system today, that is that is going to make the single biggest difference. I can edit on a on an 11 inch MacBook Air that's got flash storage. I can edit uh, audio with uh, you know like 15 simultaneous uncompressed tracks, which is impossible. Uh, to even think of like five years ago on 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 a system like this, but the the SSD and the RAM, but the SSD especially was it just transforms that experience too. And and I think there may be a lot of Mac Pro people out there who are still using all spinning disks. And uh, you know, I, I, for me anyway, the SSD made a huge difference. That's great you bring that up. You know, Steve Jobs back in 2010, you know, when he first introduced the MacBook Air 2010. He compared it to the flagship 17-inch MacBook Pro, which had a much faster processor and obviously the bigger screen and the, uh, you know, the, the higher-end the processor architecture. But he said, this 2010 MacBook Air is actually faster than our flagship. And what he didn't say in that presentation was it was not really truly faster, but the stock uh, 
the base model 17 inch uh, came with a hard drive and that MacBook Air came with an SSD and you put an SSD into the 17 inch and it runs circles for the high end application around that MacBook Air. But just the SSD alone was that much of an advantage, even with a much lower clock processor to give that. Air. That that first MacBook Air was so slow at almost everything, but the SSD made up for a lot of it. Not all of it, but for a lot of it. And these these you know the modern models are 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 amazing, which is why you know that it's that thing. The Mac Pro is going to give you the fastest experience, absolutely uh, on the Mac. But for a lot of applications that aren't high end video editing, it, you know it it's more like you said you can't go faster than real time i mean you know you you can you can uh speed up old systems and and some of the other systems that are out there are pretty impressive too well thank you so much for being on i appreciate it i you know we talked about this for a while and i'm glad we finally were able to do it hey my pleasure i appreciate the opportunity and hope to be back soon all right, that wraps it up for this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I would like to thank all of my guests, Dan Frakes and Jim Galbraith from Macworld and Larry O'Connor from Otherworld Computing. And to everybody out there listening to the Macworld Podcast from me, I'm Philip Michaels from Chris Breen. Have a happy new year. We'll see you in 2014. <laughs>